What is up, everybody? Uh, this is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. This is a college football media brand, and this is our recap show for week seven. Um, you can reach us at haterradio.com. All the socials, uh, most of them are pretty much at hater underscore radio, except for Facebook and YouTube, which uh, YouTube is at hater radio and Facebook is uh, hater radio CFB. Um, you can reach us at email as well, hater radio at uh, hater radio one at gmail.com. Um, I'm not without a host this week or without a co host, sorry. Uh, Ian Gibson, he's uh, on vacation. So uh, hopefully we'll have him on Wednesday or if not Wednesday, maybe Sunday. But uh, a lot of big time games this weekend. This was one of the most fun uh, weekends I've uh, experienced uh, watching college football in a while. Um, you know, with the Gator game, and we'll talk about that. Obviously, I'm wearing the, the Gator blue today. And also with, uh, you know, the Oregon-Washington game, which was huge. Um, there were some other games like uh, the uh, UCLA-Oregon State game was pretty good. And uh, the Miami-North uh, Carolina game wasn't too bad. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones that were really close. Uh, that Kansas-Oklahoma State game was interesting. Um, but let's break that down. So let's get into the action week seven. Um, so ton of good games. What we usually do is talk about the teams that we cover specifically. We cover uh, Florida, USF Bulls in Tampa, uh, USC and UCLA. Um, I live out here in LA, Long Beach specifically. So uh, that's why I decided to cover both those teams. Florida, um, I, my dad went to Florida and my uncle went there and like eight of my cousins. So I have a, uh, you know, a family, uh, relation there. And also with, uh, USF, I graduated there. So, and worked in the athletic department there for a short period as an intern while I was in law school. So let's get started. A lot of big games. And I want to talk about the first one because it got, had me hyped all night last night into this morning. I mean, uh, just uh, an amazing game for Florida. You know, it, it's one of the biggest wins in Billy Napier's tenure because they had done so poorly on the road. They, you know, the first two road games this year, Utah and Kentucky, they only scored 11 and 14 points uh, respectively. So they struggled immensely on the road offensively. Um, defensively, they were not too well either. And they didn't do that well defensively in this game, but offensively, I mean, it was, they really took it to them. I mean, they were almost every drive was a scoring drive, except for, uh, I believe maybe one punt, maybe two punts and blocked field goal. Every other drive resulted in points for Florida, just a tremendous offensive showing. Graham Mertz was just, amazing uh you know throwing dimes all over the field he had 423 yards just a sick day three tds no turnovers huge for that um ricky persall what you can what can you say about ricky i mean he's been so disrespected all year so many people counted him out and being like oh he's not good he's not good and you know other receivers got a lot of talk and ricky is up there with any of them in the country right now and you know he put up 10 catches, 166 yards, a TD. You know, I believe the 10 catches and the 166 yards were both career highs for him. And, you know, it's 
that whole game was crazy. I mean, I, I really, you know, there's a lot that happened in the game. I mean, I could break down every single play, but I mean, most Florida fans have probably already watched this. I guess what you're trying to get from me is maybe analysis of what happened. Um, you know, the offense played as well as they probably could have, and the defense struggled mightily. And that's just really what it is. But again, it really, uh, the credit to Billy Napier for getting the team up to uh, the task to be able to beat this team because, you know, maybe last year if they come into this game, a road game where, you know, like, uh, whatever, let's see how this goes. You know, they lost the game against Vanderbilt last year in a very similar setting. That was an earlier kick. So you might have seen some of the the sleepiness because it was an earlier kick in that Vanderbilt game last year. But this year, this is a 3.30 kick. You know, there's a lot of uh, the energy levels amped up. You know, the crowd level at South Carolina is way different than the crowd at Vanderbilt and Nashville. But, um, no, I mean, you know, Billy has gotten so much uh, gruff or grief, whatever you want to say, uh, this last year and a half. And, you know, for him to overcome that and get this win, to get the team at five and two, coming into the bye week, setting up the game against uh, Georgia in Jacksonville, it's just right now, I don't think you could have a better situation. Yes, they got smoked in those two games against Kentucky and Utah, but now it's like they're playing with house money because they really only have to win like two or three more games for this year to be considered a success. Like, I don't think most people would have thought, uh, you know, the Vegas money was like five and a half wins or whatever. So over that would be six. So you're winning right there. So if they just get one more win. They're technically um, doing well. Uh, most people now want to see even more, you know, the Arkansas game is attainable. The LSU game. I don't know. It's going to be tough. Their offense looks really good. Their defense is terrible. But the Missouri game, you know, we'll see there. That'll be a tough game because their offense is good as well. And their defense is a lot better than LSU's. Um, but um, uh, that Florida State game is at home. Uh, you know, I think they have a chance in that one. So I think they can at least get two more wins. And You know, who knows what happens in Jacksonville. As of right now, I haven't seen what the update is on uh brock bowers but it is potential that he might be out and that seems to be the majority of their offense is through brock bowers so if he's not in the game georgia is going to be hamstrung quite a bit and that helps florida immensely you know really all they'd have to do in that game is just you know uh stop the run effectively and then, you know, make it one-on-ones with their uh, with their DBs. But, I mean, they got beat this last game in South Carolina. Spencer Rattler had a hell of a game, you know, and I, uh, I had a tweet that went pretty strong today, uh, early this morning, and it was, you know, making fun of him for going 0-2 since he did the Gator Chomp in the Oklahoma game in the, uh, the um, uh, Cotton Bowl a couple years ago. Um, you know, and I was just like kind of pointing it out, like since that point, he's, he's lost both of the games against Florida. So it's kind of like, you know, you shouldn't do stuff like that, but no, he, he had a great game. He was, 
23 of 30, 313 yards. And really that last pick, I mean, he had to throw something. There was only 26 seconds left. They had to get in field goal position, not even field goal. They had to get in touchdown position because they were uh, down four. And so it's like he had to do something. I don't blame him for forcing that one. That's just it, he had pressure. And I, uh, you know, if he gets sacked there, well, they had timeouts, but still, I don't know. Like, I don't blame him for that interception. It was end of the game. He had to do something. But regardless, Florida's defense did not look great in this game. Um, their running back, Anderson, had a lot of big runs, which was very disconcerting. And their uh, wide receivers were wide open for a lot of plays. Uh, they made a lot of plays. They, um, you know, uh, Jalen Kimber got burnt quite a bit. And, you know, I'm not, I don't know, some people were like saying like he should be benched. Like why? Like he, up until that game, his numbers were like some of the best in the conference. So uh, coverage wise. So I, there's no reason for him to be benched. He's a very good DB. You know, Leggett is a freaking amazing wide receiver. There's nothing wrong with that. And Rattler's a really good quarterback. You know, there's a reason he's always been, uh, it's presented as him potentially being a decent round pick in the NFL because he's probably going to play in the NFL. He's got an arm. He's, you know, serviceable mobility wise. He's definitely worthwhile to be in the NFL and to not think otherwise is kind of ridiculous. I know like you have to think like South Carolina doesn't have the most talent out of uh, these other teams in the Southeast SEC. And, you know, the rest of uh, uh, their schedule isn't as bad so they might get a few more wins here, but, you know, I don't know. They got Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, that they could get two wins there. Um, Texas A&M's kind of floundering at this point. And then two tough ones against Missouri and Kentucky. I think they could beat Kentucky. I don't know about Missouri. That game's on the road. But, uh, you know, if they win three or four more games, potentially four, they get a playoff or a bowl game. So, it's not the end of the road, but like I said, they're not as talented as Florida. The defense was not as strong. What thus it was much easier for Florida to be able to make plays in the passing game. I mean, God, that's uh, those conversions at the end were just crazy. I, I've never seen anything like it to convert. I, I guess I have, there've been other games where there've been a lot of conversions, but still it was just amazing to see, you know, both of those conversions on that, uh, that drive where, you know, Ricky gets a long one and then Boardingham catches a short one behind the line of scrimmage and runs like 15 yards. And that was a great uh, block by Trevor Etienne. Oh, man. If he doesn't block him, he probably doesn't make it. And it's such a heads up play by him by turning around and getting into the uh, the pathway of that, uh, that defender. Um, you know, everyone made plays. Khalil Jackson, dude. You know, your family is Gator uh, uh, gold, Gator long tradition of the Jackson family being Florida Gators. And he's just another in the long line. He was a walk on, came in, had an amazing catch. His catch, he was on the ground and then like jumped up to get it. I I, I don't know how he did it. It was ridiculous. And that, that was like a 50-yard catch. It was just remarkable. And the last thing I just want to say, the last two things is, that uh, well, a couple things. Uh, one, I want to continue about the offense. That uh, catch by Trey Wilson off the uh, bouncing off the hands of uh, Ricky, just amazing. Just 
very fortunate to be there and it just Johnny on the spot and made the best out of it and made it like a 25 yard reception, just crazy good like that. And, and Trey had a great game as well. A ton of really good plays. He's basically good for like nine, 10 yards every time he touches the ball. And then um, Ricky's touchdown. I mean, it, I know people like overlaid it on uh, uh, blue orange Gator, the, the Twitter account. He overlaid it on uh, his, his tweet where it had Chris Doring's touchdown against Kentucky with uh, Ricky's catch here last yesterday. And it's very eerily similar in like the same, like amount of time left in the game and like just remarkable. It's just, it's, I thought the same thing. The second I saw it, I was like, this reminds me of that. Like, this is exactly, I wasn't, you know, I was too young to see that game live, but you know, I always saw the replay throughout the years and, Man, it's just it's cool to be able to experience this. I mean, I had such a like, you know, I was so jacked up all night. I was just looking at Twitter, you know, making comments. And, you know, it's funny. It's like a lot of these Gator fans have been really frustrated. And I, you know, I have been too. I got that Utah game. God, it was, you know, I spent a lot of money to go to that game and, you know, to be there and to have it such a letdown. It was, it was, it was brutal. And, you know, Look, Gator Nation, I know it's a struggle, but you know what? They're five and two right now. Billy is recruiting like a madman. They've got things working in their momentum. Uh, you know, the offense seems to be going well. The deep ball was there. I mean, people have been talking about that all month. Like last, like basically since the Kentucky game. Where's the deep ball? Where's the deep ball? And you know what? They did it like consistently. And it didn't hit every time, but you know what? They got pass interference, and they got a couple of the balls. They got at least Khalil's and Ricky's, and it was working. Like, you know what? They got to keep doing it, and I'm glad they had enough time to be able to do it because the offensive line was not great. That's another thing that needs work. But maybe that's just a work in progress because these guys are still new working together. Hopefully that can get worked out through this uh, bye week. Just a tremendous win. I'm so excited for the future. So excited for this uh, Florida-Georgia game where it's not like, last two years where we got blown out now it's like we actually have a chance and it's like man thank goodness like we need this like i i can't just watch this you know game and just get blown out it's it's very terrible to watch and you know considering that even in like the beginning of mullen's tenure the first what was it the first two years were kind of rough second year not as much because it was a closer game um but you know that first year was like they weren't even really close you know, I know I like argued at the time about on Twitter, like, oh, it's a one score game. But I mean, like Felipe Franks isn't very good. And it was tough to watch that offense back in the day. This offense is not an amazing offense to talk about now, but it's definitely better. And it gives the Gators a much better chance going into this game. I don't think Georgia is as good. We'll talk about that later because it's not going to be this preview show it's going to be next preview show so as of this point we won't be talking about gators for like a week and a half but good to get the bye week get everyone rested enjoy the time off and then hopefully they uh recoup and come back for uh the cocktail party so moving on all right next game i'm going to talk about is the uh usc notre dame game and ah, man this was a tough game. I I went to go watch the game uh, with uh, friends 
better USC uh, alum. And th- by the time we, we left our place and it was 10 to three, by the time I got there, it was already 24 to three. And like at that point, the game was basically over because Notre Dame's defense is pretty good. So it was like, there's no way that uh, USC was going to come back. And they didn't. They tried, um, but they just too many mistakes. Three interceptions by Caleb. By far his worst game probably ever. And you know what? Like Notre Dame's a good team. And, you know, Notre Dame took advantage of those turnovers. It was, you know, they uh, – a lot of them put them in position to score r- relatively quickly after they got them. And so like Notre Dame didn't even put up that much yardage overall. They had like uh, 251 yards, but because they had so many short fields, they were able to capitalize easy. They had a also had a fumble return for a touchdown. Just a ton of stuff went wrong. They had like a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Just uh, like whatever could go wrong, went wrong. and. You know what? Like I said with the the, uh, Kentucky game for Florida, just throw it out. It doesn't matter. The game's over. They did bad. But you know what? They need to move forward. Everything is still out there for USC. The Heisman for Caleb, the playoffs, the Pac-12 championship, all that. All they have to do is just keep winning. You know, this is their one mulligan. And they got it. This is probably the best game to lose because the rest of the game's are uh, still ahead of them. And, you know, honestly, to get their asses kicked, oh, butts kicked, God, I did it again. Their butts kicked, um, you know, it's, it's you know, they got to deal with it. And maybe they'll be better coming into the next week's games because they got Utah, they got Washington, they got Oregon, and they got UCLA. So they have four really tough teams with, like, a combined, uh, like, five losses between them. So they got to get ready for these because, you know, they have a chance to get in the playoff. They just got to keep winning. This defense is very bad. God, it is bad, but it it wasn't their fault in this game. It clearly wasn't their fault, uh, clearly on the offense in this game. But it sucks that that, that USC has to rely on their offense to win every game. Um, but, you know, it, you can't blame the defense when they have short fields every single possession. Okay, moving on. Um, UCLA, Oregon State. I watched the highlights because I was like watching the USC USC game primarily, and then keeping my eye on this one. It was close, you know. Like UCLA kept coming back, kept coming back, and Oregon State just—I don't know—they just were the better team. Again, another situation with Dante Moore throwing interceptions. You know, you're not going to win games when your quarterback throws three interceptions. It's just very hard to overcome that. Uh, he threw another pick six right there at the end of the half and just really ruined their chances. And, um, you know, I already said at the beginning of the year, I think this team is a nine to 10 win team. They have two losses now. They're going to have a, a, a lot of tough games coming up. But, you know, they already, they already have played – Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State. So there's those are three tough ones that are already done with. They're one and two through those games. The rest of the year they have um, Stanford next week, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Cal. The only real tough one that they have left is USC. So they should potentially be a nine-win team. 
and maybe a 10-win team if everything goes their way. A lot to look forward to. This future is bright for UCLA. Dante Moore is really talented. I know he struggled in this game, but the defense looked fairly well in this game. Uh, Carson Steele, you know, I still love the way he plays. He's, you know, he's a stud, man. 110 yards of TD. He's definitely, uh, you know, a very durable back. But, uh, yeah, you know, three interceptions, you're not going to win many games. Okay, last one I want to talk about out of the group of four that we cover the most out of uh, uh, for Hater Radio. USF homecoming, they lose to Florida Atlantic 56-14. I'm not going to talk a lot about this one because I watched the highlights. I didn't see the whole game. I recorded the whole game, but I'm not even going to watch it because it's not even worth my time. This is a bad game. This is a terrible game. But I will say that all the USF fans that are being so vitriolic online, please pump the freaking brakes because USF is three and four. Before this year, they had not won three games in like four years. So this is the most wins they've already had in four years. It's a work in progress. The defense is terrible. We all know that. It was terrible last year. It was one of the worst in the country. You know, he's working with these guys as best they can. You know, they are struggling to do the details to be able to make a difference. And, you know, it begins with tackling. They have to be, one, in position to tackle, and two, actually make the tackle. So, you know, it's bad angles. You know, bad angles all the time with this team. And it's frustrating because it's like if they just can be adequate at defense 90th 80th which is not asking for much you know the offense can move the ball but then again the offense has been struggling to be able to hold on to the ball um they lost another uh fumble in this game um it didn't end up hurting them but they were struggling on third down three of 15 and two of five on fourth down just i don't know it needs to it needs to get better and it's especially because FAU is not a very good team either. Like USF should have put up a lot more points. It's really, really kind of sad. And um, I don't know. I'm, but you know what? Like I said, I'm not worried about it because it's still early. You know, they have UConn next, next week, which is a terrible team. And, uh, you know, they have the bye week after that. So, you know, they also have Temple and Charlotte that they can get two wins, hopefully. So hopefully they get the three wins here, Connecticut, Temple, and Charlotte. And then you're they're probably going to get smoked by Memphis and UTSA. Those are just better teams. They're probably not going to play well, especially because they're on the road. But you know what? This is a work in progress. Remember that. Do not expect fine work by the first year after a massive rebuild. They've been terrible for four years, literally – Four years of bad football, you can't just expect it to turn around overnight. It's not possible. You know, like I know uh, Dion had one thing where he transferred in like 80 guys. You know, that's Dion. That's a completely rare example of uh, what's going on. You know, I like what Alex Golish is doing. I like his offense. It'll work here in Tampa. It'll work with Byron Brown. Byron Brown is amazing, and he's only a redshirt freshman. He's a lot to look forward to please do not jump off the bridge there's plenty to look forward to with this team it's still 
very early in Alex Golish's tenure. Okay, uh, moving on to the rest of these games. Uh, Florida State, Syracuse, not much to talk about. Uh, you know, Florida State wins easily. Um, they win 41-3. Game was never really close. Syracuse is terrible. A lot of terrible tackling. Um, Coleman, uh, you know, Coleman looks great. He had a really good catch and a really good uh, long TD catch as well. Um, they were never a threat, though, Syracuse. They was never close. Okay, um, Ohio State-Purdue. Uh, you know, another terrible team, you know, these good teams keep playing these terrible teams and it's not enjoyable to watch. I don't, and I'll talk about with a little bit with Michigan, but I'm going to just, this team, Ohio state has actually played some teams specifically Notre Dame. So I know that they're capable of stuff, but, um, no, Ohio state, you know, sleepwalks through this one, you know, Purdue gets a late touchdown, but it never really was close. Um, Yeah, there was like a fumble in the end zone at one point, but it never really resulted in much for Purdue. Okay, moving on. Georgia, Vanderbilt. Like I said, Brock Bowers gets hurt in, gets hurt in this one. Georgia wins 37-20. It actually was almost a one-score game because Vanderbilt picked off um, uh, Carson Beck and returned it to the uh, like one-yard line, and then they scored right away. And they had a two-point conversion try that they didn't uh, convert. And if they had, it would have been an eight-point game, which would have been a one-score game with, like, I think it was, like, six minutes left. And, you know, it would have been interesting. I think, you know, obviously Georgia would have probably won, but still putting game pressure on them would be interesting to see what uh, Beck would do. Like I said, Bowers is out. And as of right now, we don't know how long. Um, I don't think they have – a ton outside of him. Some of the guys are right. You know, their defense is not amazing like they were in years past. Uh, they they gave up 20 points to Vanderbilt. Um, Florida only gave up 14. Uh, Florida, I believe, scored 38. So Florida scored more than Georgia and held them to less points. But it's also on the road, so there's a variable there. Um you really can't compare the two. They're obviously two different games and two different types of examples. Once these two play Georgia and Florida, we'll see more and we'll actually get to know who's, you know, who's doing as well as they think they are. Personally, right now, I'm just going to say, I'm just happy that it is in the same ballpark where the last two years, it felt like they weren't in the same ballpark. And now it feels like they're in the same stadium. Okay. Moving on. All right. Speaking of that Michigan, Indiana thing and it's funny is because like I'm mentioning this because I thought of like as I was going through my prep for this like how uh I would talk about this and maybe use this as a like a TikTok clip or put it on Instagram as well and you know this Michigan team you know you're not playing anybody you're really not you played a terrible opening schedule how do I know you're good and they're like all these stats of like oh uh, Big Ten teams have never been 30-plus points and hold an opponent to 15 or 14 or less in this, this amount of games. You're literally playing nobodies. I'm sorry, but that's not an accomplishment. I don't care. I don't care. You're basically playing seven preseason games. Congratulations. 
you know what, man? You know, you guys, I don't know how you as Mich- as uh, Big Ten fans actually enjoy watching this stuff. This stuff is terrible. Play somebody. Play anybody. And I can't wait to the Pac-12 teams get in there, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon, because now Michigan can't just play uh, Indiana and Purdue and Northwestern and Maryland and Rutgers and Nebraska and Wisconsin and Minnesota, all these terrible teams. God, man, how fortunate it is that you don't have to play anyone for half your season. It's pathetic. It really is. And I hope people see this because I want to rant on this so that people know that I hate how Big Ten teams just get to waltz through their seasons when they're not actually that good. And then once they actually play people, they get destroyed. And I will put the caveat of Ohio State because Ohio State has better players than most Big Ten teams. And they've done decent in the playoff. You know, they haven't – they've only won one championship, but they've at least been to – uh, another championship, and we're very close last year. They probably should have beat Georgia. But regardless, I've always made it known about my feelings about the Big Ten and how overrated they are, and this is apparent with how this stuff continues to go. Okay, moving on. Oh, and I'm not even going to talk about this one. Iowa, Wisconsin, 15-6. They set back the game of football 40 years in this game. Just terrible. I – how anyone could watch this garbage, just disgusting. It is terrible football. I don't know how anyone enjoys this stuff. Okay, moving on. Ah, and exactly, prime example, juxtaposition with that Wisconsin-Iowa game with this Washington-Oregon game, the one of the most beautiful games ever played. Uh, and I, I know it's a weird phrase to use, but it was a, it was an amazing game. 36 to 33, a last second field goal right there lined up and he misses it barely to go to overtime. Just a great game. You know what, man? We don't get games like this very often. And it's just back and forth. Two Heisman level quarterbacks, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., two amazing uh, quarterbacks. Then you have Odunze, an amazing wide receiver that'll be like a top 10 pick. Just this had everything. Like the game day was there. You know, Herb Street and um, Chris Fowler were there. Just this was this was all you wanted to be and more. Just an amazing game, and uh, just a just a ridiculous game. I I I I have like the game analysis here, and it just was like, I mean, Odunze just makes play after play. Penix is like Penix has like a a a cannon for an arm. Just Every throw he makes is just, it's a bullet. It's like a perfect spiral. It's just his long ball is perfect. Like this guy is a freak, man. Like he really is. Like I've never seen an arm like his as far as accuracy and like uh, strength. It's just remarkable. Like, and he comes from the Bay area, the Tampa Bay area. So I'm really uh, proud of him, you know? And it's like, I hope this kid does well in the NFL. I really do. Cause he's, He's a humble kid, and to get that win is huge. But it's not the end for Oregon. They have plenty to play for. If they win out, they can get right back into the uh, Pac-12 championship and potentially play Washington in a rematch, and then whoever would win that would go on to um, the playoff and potentially even maybe even both of them because then 
they would both only have one loss. So we'll see a lot to be played for between Oregon, uh, USC, Washington, Utah. Like all four of these teams have a ton to play for. Even Oregon State, I think, only has one loss. Like it's, it really is one of like the best finishes to something that you'll ever see. Like the Pac-12 is no more after this year. And it's going to be one of the best finishes you'll ever see. All these games are very good. All these teams are about as even as you can get. The level of play is just phenomenal. If you are not watching Pac-12 football, you need to be this year. More so than you, because this is your last chance. So tune in. Okay. Uh, Next game, Tennessee, uh, Texas A&M. Very slow game, not a lot going on. Joe Milton only had 100 yards. Max Johnson didn't have much more, 223 and two interceptions. And Milton had an interception as well. Just kind of a, like, man, so-so game. Very defensive struggle, more so that the offenses were really struggling. Uh, Jalen Wright, running back for Tennessee, had 136 yards. So that's something there. But they didn't put up a lot of points. And they didn't put up a lot of yards. Um, Tennessee got the stop when needed, the stops when needed, and uh, was able to finish out that game. But you could hear the Boo Birds uh, when they were losing 10-7. Oh man, they were they were not happy with the product up in Knoxville. They were not loving what the offense was doing. So credit to Tennessee for coming back in that game. But uh, wow. And Tennessee has everything to play for. Like, literally, it's amazing. They they have Alabama, Georgia, and uh, Kentucky, and, and Missouri left. So they have four really tough games. I don't know what's going to happen with them. I mean, they should they, – they could beat Georgia at home. I think they'll likely lose to Alabama on the road. I think they could beat Missouri, but that's going to be close. And they should beat Kentucky. So they'll probably go like two and two in those games. And I think Vandy is another game and then something else too. Um, But tough road for, for Tennessee, but they have a lot to play for. They have a chance to get to Atlanta. They have a chance to get into the playoff. So they're definitely not done. Texas A&M four and three. That's two SEC losses in the in the West. You ain't recovering from that. That's that's pretty much a death sentence now. So we'll see what happens to Jimbo. I don't know, man. Like at this point, if they were going to fire him, it's getting really, really close to that point where they might. The buyout's still really huge. So I guess they'll probably just wait it out. But man, it's it's looking rough there. Okay, uh, real quick. Utah. I just wanted to see how Utah was going to do before um, uh, this USC game coming up here in LA because I'm going to go to it. So I just wanted the idea of how they were playing. They they bounced back after that loss for, to Oregon State. They win 34-14 against Cal. Um, still no Cam Rising, so I don't know if we're going to see him next week or not. At this point, I'm just going to say no until further notice. So this is going to be the same team, this team with Bryson Barnes. So Barnes did all right, did enough to win. Um, Sion Baki had 158 yards on the ground and two TDs. So they were able to move the ball. They took advantage of the turnovers that Cal 
uh, gave them. And uh, that's that's how good their defense is. Their defense is really good. They held them to 254 total yards. That's a really good day from the defense, which I it's one of the best defenses in the country. I'd say top 10, top 15 minimum. They're they're tremendous defense. Okay, uh, Louisville, Pitt, and man, I know we started talking about Louisville because they beat Notre Dame, and then Louisville just puts up a stinker against a one and four Pitt team. They lose 38-21. I, you know, I don't know, man. I really don't know with this team. I don't think that – I don't think Louisville is probably as good as we probably thought they were, which is not a terrible thing to say. But at the same time, they definitely are a better team than Pitt. They should have beaten this team. You know, they're, they've got more talent than Pitt. You know, Pitt – I don't know. They – Pitt's been all right. You know, like they've been, they've done well the last couple of years. And then once Pickett left, they kind of fallen off. I mean, Keaton Slovis was there last year and he got hurt. And then they just kind of like trailed off. And then this year has been kind of whatever. I mean, at two and four, you know, Pitt's season is kind of going nowhere, but it's a real big victory for Pitt. So, uh, you know, good for them. Louisville, they're going to have to pick up the pieces and hopefully they can, uh, uh, continue on to either the ACC championship or maybe just a big bowl game in general, maybe a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game. Okay, moving on. Auburn LSU. I use you know I talk about this all the time on this podcast and this this show about how much I used to love this rivalry and it's kind of lost its luster over the last couple of years because Auburn's can been been kind of bad. Uh, you know, near the last couple of years with uh, Gus Malzahn. And now the, the last few years have been kind of whatever, whatever been going on with that team. But at least LSU is like offensively good because they've been putting up points. But what used to be such a joy about this game was how good defensively both these teams are. And that is definitely not true anymore because LSU's defense is terrible and Auburn, their defense was nowhere to be found in this game. And you know, you can't blame them because LSU has a really good offense. And, you know, that's, you know, they they weren't going to be able to put up enough points to be able to beat this team. They're not that good offensively. You know, Peyton Thorne put up 102 yards. Like, 102 yards? Come on, man. That's not going to do anything. Like, Jane Daniels put up 325. Like, you know, that's – it's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, th- there's so many weapons for Jaden Daniels as well. Uh, you know, even Kyron Lacey – someone that hasn't been like the biggest name for LSU. And he puts up over a hundred yards in this game receiving Malik neighbors has close to a hundred yards in this game. Just a, I mean, they're very good. LSU has a very good offense, but their defense is terrible. And that was a, a lot of the reason why they lost that Florida state game and the game against Ole Miss. So until they fix the stuff against uh, uh, their defense, they're going to struggle in games they're going to struggle against Alabama. They, I don't know where that game is, um, but uh, it's in, it's in Tuscaloosa. So that that's going to be a real struggle for them. Then the following week, they play Florida. So that actually might be in Florida's favor because, you know, LSU has a lot to to play for still because they um, they only have one SEC loss. So they could, if they beat Alabama, they could get into the. Uh, SEC West race and get to Atlanta. Um, but that's a tough game for them to play. And they'll probably be pretty banged up after that. So it bodes well for Florida 
I mean, knowing this, anytime there seems like there's an advantage for Florida against LSU, it never works out, and LSU still somehow wins. I mean, the last, like, 10 years, I think LSU was, like, 7-3 and three or something like that. It's been quite ridiculous. I mean, I don't even remember the last time Florida beat LSU. It's been a while. It's been at least, like, I think it was before – it was might have been – yeah, it was the Joe Burrow's first year, so it was – uh, at LSU. So it was uh, Dan Mullen's first year. So 2018. So it's been five years since then. That's crazy. Um, North Carolina, Miami, uh, North Carolina wins 41, uh, 31 Miami scored a garbage touchdown late to make it look closer than it was, but North Carolina was up three scores and was pretty well ahead. Most of the second half um, Miami did have a lead at half. Uh, so they were in the game, but just, I mean, North Carolina is too good. And, you know, granted they have a lot of, uh, a lot of help now with Devonta's Walker, you know, him getting granted, uh, clearance to play has been huge for them. Now that he had, he had three touchdowns in this game. He looked, he, he was like kind of feeling things out last week, but this game he just exploded and, you know, just look for North Carolina to continue this pace. They have, um, a couple of games coming up, uh, the Duke game and Clemson, but then they have Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, and NC State, which they should win those four easily. Just that Duke and Clemson game are going to be really tough. Um, but I expect North Carolina, North Carolina or Louisville to be the team that plays uh, Florida State in the championship game. Uh, last two games, uh, Duke, NC State, Duke wins 24-3. Um, you know, it was it was an okay game. It was just kind of, you know, Duke, because they didn't have their quarterback, because Riley Leonard was out, they kind of, you know, just did small things to, you know, not really uh, force anything. Not, you know, Bellin, Henry Bellin came in uh, in relief of uh, Leonard. And he put up 107 yards, but he only had four completions and two touchdowns out of those. So, um, but no, they, they did what they needed to do to win. Uh, Jordan Waters had a really good run for a touchdown and, you know, they converted on uh, one of the turnovers that they got in deep and, you know, credit to them to getting out of this game with a win, considering they didn't have their quarterback and they might have them back next week for Florida state, which, I really think if Leonard is there in that game against Florida State, there's a real chance that Florida State could get beat. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's going to be – it depends on if Leonard's there. If Riley Leonard is playing, I say it's a 50-50 game. At this point, he may not play, but because it's such a huge game, he might play. Okay, last one. Well, I'll talk about the Kansas-Oklahoma State game. I have it on here because I, I don't have my uh, my details. but. That was an interesting game. It was back and forth. Uh, Oklahoma State went up 14-0 early, and then Kansas stormed back. They ended up going up, like, I believe 25-24, and then Oklahoma State then kind of took over the game the rest of the way. But Oklahoma State, man, a team that, like, nobody's talking about, and not that they have a great record. I think they have two losses, but still a team that's under the radar, and, you know, we get to see – the last edition of Bedlam and 
I believe they play Texas. I'm not 100% sure, but they at least play Oklahoma. And so we'll see that one last time. And that could be a huge uh, uh, fly in the ointment, as Tim Brando always says, because, you know, Oklahoma is undefeated and has a really good shot at getting to the playoff, minimum getting to Big 12 championship, even if they lose to that game to Oklahoma State. Uh, but last game, uh, Missouri, Kentucky, interesting game. Missouri wins 38-21. Kentucky, another team that was up 14-0. And then uh, Missouri just outscored them 38-7 to the rest of the way. Uh, you know, they didn't put up a ton of points or a ton of yardage, but um, they got uh, timely stops on defense. Um, you know, they stopped them on fourth down once, and they uh, turned them over three other times, a fumble and, and two interceptions. So – they definitely uh, caused Kentucky to make mistakes. And you know what? This team is good defensively and offensively. They're definitely capable. Um, you know, uh, Burden, Luther Burden, didn't have a great game, but the rest of the guys really played well. Um, so they have the team to be able to beat some teams there. They have a really tough road going forward. Um, they've got Georgia. South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida. So it's a it's a tough road. I mean, I expect at least at least two losses out of that. And they play Arkansas on the road as well. So maybe even they get three losses. So as of right now, they're six and one. Um, but who knows where their season can go? You know, I know it's gonna be a tough game for Florida to try to beat them um uh near the second to last game of the year, but uh definitely uh hopefully it's not a a noon, 11 a.m. Central game. I hate when they do that to Florida. It's so terrible. Um, but, yeah, that's it. That is the show. Uh, again, catch us on haterradio.com. I think I'm going to do an article about Billy Napier and Florida and just about this win in general, just more of my thoughts, um, put it down on paper. And uh, I like to be able to write stuff out as well just to convey it's a different form of communication for people. and. You know what? If you like my show, check out the articles there at haterradio.com. Like I said, the socials uh, mainly are at hater underscore radio, except for Facebook, which is hater radio CFB, and YouTube, which is at hater radio. You know, enjoy these games that we did last week. It was a great week of games. And I look forward to next week, another great uh, group of games. I'm going to the Utah USC game. So if you're going to the USC game, uh, say what's up. I'm probably going to wear my Hater Radio shirt. You know, it's a black shirt with the logo. You see it right here, haterradio.com. So say what's up to me. My name is Chris, and that's the show, everybody. Have a good one.